So, today's message is called The Lost World. I will not be talking about dinosaurs, um, but I will be talking about the world who truly is lost at this time. Looking around the world today, it doesn't take much effort to realize that many people are very lost. They don't know where to turn for truth or for security or for hope. To make matters worse, everyone's trying to make a buck off of their confusion. There are books to read and seminars to watch and programs to start and associations to join. Yet all the help from the world, though it may meet some basic needs, is limited at best. If it is not centered on Christ and ultimately pointing people to Jesus, our only real hope, then it keeps the people stuck in a lost world. To respond to those who are lost, it's not our place to judge or to criticize. It's our, our, our place to do what Jesus had done. We need to be led by the Spirit of Christ in us. For Jesus Himself encountered many in His time on earth who indeed were lost. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, But when He saw the multitudes, speaking of Jesus, He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You see, if Jesus Christ is truly living inside of us, our response should be obvious. We need to lead with compassion. And while some just want to stay lost, I understand that. There are many more who are waiting for an answer waiting for hope, and ultimately waiting for Jesus. We are the vessels that bring the hope of Jesus to a lost and dying world. We have to be out there sharing His message of hope and salvation and redemption and eternal security. We have to be sharing Jesus with the world. Yet there are times when we ourselves get lost and can't find our way back to where we need to be. It might have been a wound. It might have been a sin. It might have been a confusion. It might have been an unfair thing. But there's times when we all get lost. Sometimes we may be duped into thinking that we're okay, only to realize that we've wandered off the path. So when that happens, how do we find our way back to that path of life? without staying in condemnation and condemning ourselves and saying, I should be better than this. Whenever you hear the I shoulds, that's the enemy speaking condemnation to you to get you further away from God. How do we find a way back to wholeness with God when we are truly lost? Well, in the ninth chapter of Acts, we see an in-depth account of Saul, whom we also know as Paul. See, it was not uncommon for people back then to have two names. Saul was his Hebrew name, and Paul was his Roman name. After he was converted and sent by God to preach to the Gentiles, it wasn't that God changed his name, it's just that Paul started to use his Roman name to preach to the Romans. And we know that he wrote many of the books of the New Testament. The name Paul actually means little or small. As we see in Paul's life, he sought to magnify Jesus 
in everything he did, making his previous life very small indeed. What a reversal for a man whose fearful reputation preceded him everywhere. Everyone was afraid of Saul. Saul was devoted to the Jewish tradition and the law. He was a scholar of scholars. So much, in fact, that he thought that he was honoring God by violently arresting anyone who spoke against the Jewish traditions and the law. And ultimately, persecuting all believers and followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, he didn't fully realize it, but he was lost. We're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Verse 2, And asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if found any who were of the way, if he found any who were of the way, that's what they called early Christians, they're part of the way, if he found anyone who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. There was great fear in the land about this man known as Saul. He not only went after people in Jerusalem, but he began to hunt down believers in other cities as well. His driving force in life was to punish disobedience to the Jewish traditions. Verse 3, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. You see, Saul was truly operating in darkness as his zeal, which was once for God when he started out, had now become centrally focused on tracking down people whom he thought had betrayed God's law. You see, there are many people who think they are doing right and honorable things, yet they are blinded by the darkness of this age. If our focus is not on Jesus and spreading His message of hope, and of deliverance, and of forgiveness, and of eternal salvation, then we end up relying on our own logic for direction. Saul was an advanced scholar of the Jewish history and and law. Yet without an openness to the movement of God, he simply became more devoted to tradition and couldn't see truth. In other words, Saul acted as though he didn't need God. Because he had his knowledge of who he thought God was, and what he thought God wanted to do. More times than not, it is usually our overconfidence in our own knowledge, or our own perspective, or our logic, that pushes us off the path and causes us to become lost. Therefore, Jesus had to bring an awareness first to Saul to let him know that he truly was lost in darkness. He did this by shining a light down from heaven. Acts 9, verse 4. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus finally got Saul's attention by speaking directly to him. And it was clear that Saul was far from God indeed by his response. Verse 5, And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? You know, there are times when the words we say, I believe, are even more astonishing to us as we say them than they are to those around us. I believe this was one of those times. Saul actually thought he was serving God daily. 
Yet when he heard the Lord speak to him, he didn't even recognize his voice. Thus he asked, Who are you, Lord? There are so many people today who are pursuing an agenda of activities that they feel are right and honorable. Yet I would challenge you with this very question. Would you know the Lord's voice if He spoke to you as He did to Saul? The only way we know His voice is by spending time in His Word, where He reveals Himself and His character through His message. If we are not continuing to read and study and listen and meditate on His Word in new areas of study to expand our revelation of Him, then we begin to rest merely on our knowledge of Him, which will cause us to wander off the path and we may not even realize it until it's too late. Just going to church on Sundays or listening to a message once a week is not enough. We need to be in God's Word and learning and growing and continually being challenged by the truth of His Word. The Bible doesn't talk about believers like we do today. The Bible talks about disciples. A disciple is one who devotes himself to Jesus and the teaching and continually studies to show himself approved as to God, as the Bible says. We need to be continuing to go into the Scriptures and and glean from God's Word. So when Jesus finally speaks to us, we say, Yes, Lord, instead of, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. What does that mean? Well, an ox goad was a pointed stick that was used to push or to to direct or steer an ox. And every time the ox rebelled and tried to kick back against the goad, it drove deeper into him. It would purse him deeper. Therefore, the more it rebelled, the more it would suffer. Jesus took control of Saul and let him know that his rebellion against God was a losing battle. His actions were as senseless as an ox kicking against the goads. Now, listen, Saul had passion and he had sincerity in his fight against Christianity, but he was not heading in the direction that God wanted him to go. Jesus was going to goad him or direct or steer Saul into the right direction. The same thing he's done with all of us. I can tell you my life before a Christian, I was pursuing the world with reckless abandon. And God came in and restored my life, redeemed my life and forgave me and pointed me on a, on a course that went straight to Him with the same passion, but not was, I was pursuing God as well. That's what He did with Saul. Is it possible that we as well have a sincerity or passion or strength of conviction to take up a fight for God, but we are not fully going in the right direction that God wants us to go? That is the question that we must all be willing to ask of ourselves. Thus we begin to be led by our own logic instead of by His Spirit then risk becoming lost and not even recognize the Lord's voice when He calls out to us. Yet by the power of God's voice, Saul realized he was indeed lost and now yearned to obey the Lord. Verse 6, 
So Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Verse 8, Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He was blinded. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. See, Saul was left blinded by this heavenly light that appeared all around him from heaven. He would truly have to trust the leading of Jesus alone to find this path of life. Verse 9, And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. You see, to Saul, the most basic necessity was to hear the Lord's voice and to hear the Lord's leading. It was greater than food or drink. Saul sought the Lord passionately during this time. What is Jesus to you? Is He your greatest and most basic need? Or is He just an afterthought or something that you pursue when you have time? That's the challenge that we continue to have as He continues to make us more like Jesus. Are we giving Him our first fruits? Are we giving Him our time? Are we sacrificing the things of this world to pursue Him so that we can have a greater revelation of who He is? Verse 10, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul, of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Notice the significance of the street name here. For it is from this location that Saul would not just regain his sight, but he would get the heavenly coordinates from God to go straight to Jesus, allowing, not allowing anything to interrupt his path, no matter what it was. As you know, Paul was persecuted more than any besides Christ Jesus. But he continued to pursue God. He would not allow anything to stop him. Acts 9, verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there, here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. What an exchange. You ever read the stories of the Bible and you think, come on. What's going on? How could you talk to God like that? You think God doesn't know what's going on? The Lord God from heaven speaks to Ananias in a vision, and the first thing He does is He resorts to His own knowledge. That's what we often do. He resorts to His own knowledge instead of trusting God. He reasons that man-given authority should be more feared than God Himself and His divine authority. This is why this message is so important. It's because we all are susceptible to rely on what we know or what we have heard instead of truly trusting God at His Word and submitting completely to His will. In fact, because of our sinful flesh, falling back on our logic is almost a natural reaction to challenging messages or events. This is why we need, all of us need, to press into God intentionally every day. His voice is our most basic need. Acts 9.15 But the Lord said to him, Go, 
speaking to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse 16, For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And here's the key to the Lord's message for Saul. When you are lost, the only way you get to the Lord is by being completely devoted to His voice, His Word, and His direction, and His will. Not being pulled off to the left or to the right, but continue to pursue no matter what comes against you. For Saul, he would not allow anything to get in the way of his pursuit of God. No obstacle, no challenge, no fear of man, no amount of suffering would soften his devotion to the Lord and spreading his message of truth and wisdom. Shouldn't this be our heart and our passion and our focus as well? Shouldn't the words of our mouth be focused on the heavenly answer to earth's problems? Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here we see once again about the miracles in the Bible. They were not done for show. Miracles in the Bible were done to confirm the Word of God. They would preach the Word of God, then miracles confirmed the Word of God. Saul heard the Word and then waited on the Lord and his sight was miraculously restored to not only see in the natural, but to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, verse 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. See, baptism is an outward symbol of what God has already done on the inside of a believer. But it's also an act of obedience to be baptized in front of other believers and to proclaim without shame and without fear that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it is He to whom your ultimate obedience rests. If you've been growing in your faith, and God's come alive to you if you've not been baptized or have a believer's baptism where you proclaim, let me know. Love to uh, share with anybody um, the teaching of, ba- of baptism so that we could uh, baptize you in, 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 into the family. You know, I, I know most of us are. If anyone has a desire or knows someone, have them contact me and uh, uh, we will baptize you in the family of God. The world needs more of us. You see what's going on in the world. We need to continue to tell the message. We need to continue to share that Jesus is the only message of hope. It's much harder today with all the stuff going on, but we need to continue to be out there sharing the message of God. Acts 9, verse 19. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is indeed the Son of God. See, being strengthened both spiritually and physically, Saul now sets out immediately to do the Lord's work, staying straight on the road that leads to life. I want to tell you that as I reflected on this teaching today, I was reminded a few years ago when I found myself lost in the woods. 
at night in northern Michigan. And what God taught me on that powerful night all alone in the woods was to trust His leading no matter what situation I was in, no matter how dark I thought it would be, and just to continue to trust Him all the way through. I was hunting in the Rifle Recreation Area, Rose City. If you've been there, you know it's in a massive park. Massive park. And so I was hunting there one uh, evening by myself, and I found a, a spot, and I parked on the road, and I walked in, and I was probably about 70 yards in the woods. And uh, I was in a hunting little ground blind. And I could see during the daylight that I could, I could follow pretty much a, a path. When I found a, a prominent tree, I could follow this path of trees and make it back to my car. Well, when I got done hunting that night, and it was dark, it was black, I started to go out a small little flashlight, and I started to get out, and I saw the first prominent tree, and I started to make my way out. And eventually I saw the next tree and um, made my way. I had little markings on the trees. And I got to the second tree. Then I came to a spot where there was a big brush pile. And I'm thinking, I don't want to go, I didn't want to go through this brush pile or, or, or stumble out in the dark. And so I figured what I would do was, I came to the brush pile, I would go up to it, and I would go around the other side of it and get my line again and continue out, outward again. So I started to walk. I went around it, got my line, started walking again. Well, I didn't, couldn't find any trees that looked familiar. So I went a little bit further, and I couldn't, I couldn't find anything, nothing, not the markings on the trees, and so I panicked a little bit, and I thought, okay, I need to go back to the beginning. So I traced my steps back, I went back around the brush pile, and I found my tent again. And I thought, okay, I needed to be a lot more, I concentrated a whole lot more this time. So I started off again, found the first tree, the second tree, came around this big brush pile, okay, I'm going to be really good about going around this time, and I'll be able to get my line. I went around it and found my line, started going again, and I was lost again. And I said, well, I'll just go a little further. That's the car can't be too, very, too far out. So I kept going and moving. And now I was really lost. And I thought, gosh, if I could find my way back to the tent, maybe I can curl up and, and, and make it to the morning. But it was late October, early November, so it was probably in the upper 30s that night. So I knew that wasn't really an option. Another problem was because I was in the, in the dark so late, most of the hunters were out of the woods at that time. No one knew where I was. So I realized I was lost. I had wandered a little bit, couldn't find anything, could, I had no idea if I was going in circles, and I realized I was lost. And so what I did, I realized there was only one thing to do. I stopped, took a breath, I looked up, and I said, I know that's what you all were thinking. I was hoping somebody would hear my voice, some hunter in the wood would hear my voice, and nothing. There was no one out. I realized I was lost. It was cold. No one knew where I was at. I couldn't find my way out. I could have went hours in the wrong direction. And so I, I stopped and, I, and I, I just turned to God and I said, God, I need your help. I need you to deliver me. I need you to rescue me. I am lost and I cannot figure it out on my own. I cannot lean on my understanding. It's gotten me lost. I need you to help me, God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need you to lead me out. I opened my eyes. 
And it wasn't, I don't know if it was a minute. And off in the distance, about a hundred yards out or so, I saw a light in the distance. And it was a headlight of a, of a car. And so it was way, way, super far out. So I watched it, and then it was going. It disappeared behind the trees. It picked up again in front of me. It disappeared, disappeared, picked up again off the left, and then it took off. And so what I did, I felt God was just directing me by wisdom. I took my hand at where the first light I saw was. I put my hand at the second light where I saw was. I figured that the line that connected those two points was a road. So as I brought my hands together, I found the middle part of that road, and I said, I believe God told me to do this, aim for that middle part of the road. Aim straight for that middle part of the road. But when you do this, you cannot let anything get in your way. No obstacle. You can't rely on your own wisdom to go around something. You have to go through no matter what is in your path. And if you trust me and stay straight on this narrow road, I will bring you to freedom. So that's what I did. I started walking, and I can tell you it wasn't an easy path. It wasn't like I was walking out of a deer run or a path. There was stuff everywhere. I was going a big over branches and getting on my knees and crawling under branches. And, and, and so one of the first big things I came to was a big bush. Well, it was a big picker bush, too. And again, your, your thought, first thought is, I'm just going to, no, I'm not going to go around. I saw what happened last time. I'm not going to rely on my own understanding. I'm going to trust God. I had this point focused. So I said, God, I'm going right through. And so with my bow and arrow and my, my flashlight I'm going through and it's just, it's cutting my hands and my face and getting all cut up and, and I, and I, you know, poking you know, through my leg and I finally get through. But I made it through and I'm still going forward. I'm still focused on getting out, going straight. So I went over, went over a few more branches and logs and then I came where I took a step in the water. And I thought, what's well, just like a puddle out in the woods, you know? like a puddle out in the street. Um, I looked, it was a little bit more than a puddle, but I thought, I'm not going around it. I can't go around it. I have to go through. God told me to go straight through. And so I, I started walking. Bought my third step and went up my boot. The next step went over my boot, started to fill my boots. I remember it's about upper upper 30 and high 30s, and it's freezing out. Water is even colder. So water is now filling in my boots, I'm going further now. Now the water's up to my knees. Eventually gets up to my middle of my thighs. I can't feel my legs anymore. Just frozen, but I just continue to go through. I'm standing no matter what. I didn't think about the pain or the suffering or anything else. I'm going to go forward toward the path that God gave me. I started to move a little further, and eventually the water started to go down again. Dropped below my knees. Dropped below my, my boots, and eventually I stepped out into dry land. By this point, I could not feel my legs or feet or toes or anything, but I kept moving. About 20 feet later, I came out to the road. I turned left, went down a little ways, and saw my trailblazer got in, turned the heat on. God had delivered me when I thought it was impossible. When I thought there was no way out, God spoke to me and shone a light for me to get me back onto where I needed to be. It was nothing short of a miracle that in the middle of my darkness, God led me back to safety. And even though I had to suffer cuts and bruises and, and freezing cold water, He delivered me indeed. 
See, this true life analogy brought an important biblical truth to me. There are times that we wander off the path ever so slightly because we think that we can handle a simple diversion on our own. God, I'm going to press into you and pray for you, but I can handle this part, God. I thought I could go around it. Sometimes we just, out of natural reaction, we rely on our own logic for the smallest of things, thinking that we're okay. But I will tell you that all it takes is a moment. That if we don't self-correct and repent immediately, we can easily find ourselves far from the path of God where He wants us to be and not realizing where we are at. When this happens to you, at what point do you abandon your logic or your feeble cries for help and turn to God alone? At what point do you cry out to God as your only Redeemer? At what point? God hears us. God sees us. When the uh, Israelites were under slavery in Egypt, it says they cried out to God with a groan, and God said, I heard their groan. One groan reached the throne, but because the groan was to God. Are we at the place where we're ready to cry out to God and say, God, I need You. I need You more in my life. I need You to direct me. God, I believe I'm off the path. It might be a little bit, God, but I want to be on the path that leads to You. Because only the narrow path leads to You. God, I need You in my life. Bring me back to where I need to be. Put me on a straight street that leads to You. Once the answer comes, through spending time in worship and study and prayer, we must be willing to resolutely set our course back to Him. Directly back to Him. Refusing to let anything get in the way of seeking Him and His will for our lives. Many times our way to God includes a direct path through... Listen, many times that path to God is a path through suffering and through trials. And through challenges, they would turn back many others. Yet it is in this journey, straight through the valley of the shadow of death, that we come to know God, that He is always with us and leading us to His heart. Jesus demonstrated this very truth to us when He resolutely set His face on Jerusalem and set His face on the cross, knowing that He would have to suffer greatly and give His life so that we could receive it. In fact, Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied of these very events several hundred years before they happened. Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 and 7. It's prophesying of Jesus several hundred years later. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. It is the strength of Christ that calls us and fills us and empowers us to set our faces like flint to pursue Jesus with all our worth. There is no trial or tribulation or suffering that can keep God's children from coming to Him. He's calling all of us to come directly to Him. We need to set our faces like flint and not let anything deter us from getting close to our God and our Heavenly Father. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit living in Paul, he came to the same conclusion. Romans 8, verse 18. After a living a life of persecution, of being stoned several times and shipwrecked and beaten and jailed and imprisoned, he continued to get up and pursue God. He said this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, if you acknowledge that you are lost and you need God to bring peace and hope and fulfillment to your life, then cry out to Him. Turn your eyes to heaven and begin to worship Him. You don't have to worry about the right words to say or what to ask. God already knows what you need. But if you worship Him, it's like you're saying, God, I worship You. You are worthy of worship. I trust You. Whatever You're going to do in my life, if You need to lead me through suffering, then I'll follow. If You need to lead me through trials, I will go. But I want more of You, God, so right now, I'm just going to choose to worship You. He is worthy of all of our worship. And as you worship Him, in spirit, and in truth, He will show Himself faithful to you through the light of His everlasting love. I asked Joanne to lead us in a beautiful worship song. Whether you pray, whether you bow down, whether you look, sing the words, whether you just listen, it's our time right now just to focus on Jesus, making that straight path to Him, to worship Him, to say, God, I'm not going to rely on my own logic, my own understanding. I'm going to trust you indeed. I choose to worship you.